up and then a discussion. We'll begin with uh, the sitting. So please sit upright. It's very helpful if your back is relatively straight without being tight. and letting your attention come inside, beginning with mindfulness of the body, the first foundation of mindfulness. And very gently scanning your body and see if there's any holding or tension or tightness you can relax or release easily. to saturate your body so that you feel or sense or experience the body directly so that it's known both conceptually and experientially. And as you sense, feel, become aware of your body, start to include the fact that your body is breathing. Both the idea, the observation that it's breathing and the felt sense of each breath. a living experience of the body breathing.
And as you stay very present with the body and the breath, you can start to get a sense of being here now, not just thinking about what's here, but aware of the liveness that is sitting here. And as you settle in or relax with the awareness of the body, the breath, you have an option, you have a few options. One is you can stay with the body and the breathing for the duration of the practice. Or if you feel settled, composed, collected, at some point, you can open the space of awareness and include any of the foundations of mindfulness, whether it be being mindful of the body or mindful of the sounds or mindful of the liking or not liking the experience that's happening right now, the feeling tone, the vedna of the experience, or being aware of the heart and mind that's here, the feelings and thoughts, the ideas, the mood that may be here. Or you may be aware of any experience that may arise, aversion or joy or space or peace. Staying very present either with the body and the breath are present with whatever phenomena appears here as we sit here in this moment, not being attached to the phenomena, not trying to create any phenomena, but being aware of, uh, of how it all happens on its own. The thoughts come on their own, the feelings come and go on their own, the sounds come and go on their own. The moods come and go on their own. We can be aware of the body or of any human experience. And then of course, we can also be aware that we're aware of any experience whether it's sound or smell or taste or touch or sensation or thought or feeling. We can be aware of the particular experience and aware of what knows it. 
letting yourself stay very present, very close to here, now, very intimate with the life that's living itself here right now, moment by moment by moment.
though for the past uh, six weeks, maybe longer, you know, given that uh, other people have taught during this time, we've been going over the uh, Noble Eightfold Path. We've been looking at the teachings of the Buddha and what does it mean to live according to those teachings. And the, eight, the Eightfold Path is right understanding, right intention, um, right action, right, right speech, right livelihood, um, right effort, concentration. And tonight I'm going to speak more about right mindfulness and what that means and where to be mindful, which is a very, very concept these days, mindfulness. It's quite big and meaning it's quite um, conventional that everybody knows about mindfulness. I don't know about everybody, but many people know about mindfulness. And yet uh, many people aren't so familiar with the details of what it means to be mindful. So I thought I would, uh, from the teachings of Satipatthana, and where the Buddha gives a teaching on mindfulness, he says, bhikkhus, practitioners, there is a direct path for the purification of beings. There's a direct path for the purification of beings, for the surmounting of sorrow and lamentation, for the disappearance of pain and grief, for the attainment of the true way, for the realization of nibbana, nirvana, namely the four foundations of mindfulness. This is how he begins the teaching is saying where it goes, right? About the disappearance of pain and grief, the surmounting of sorrow and lamentation and the attainment of freedom, of awakening, of the true way. And he goes on, he says, what are the four bhikkhus prayers? One abides contemplating the body in the body, ardent, fully aware and mindful. So one all of a sudden, all, already you hear mindful is being used for how it, what it means to pay attention right now while you're listening to the body. What does it mean to be mindful of the body right now while you're listening, while I'm speaking, to be mindful of the body? Concept, or partly as a concept, it's, oh, there's a body here but also in terms of the experiential reality of the aliveness that is sitting and is sitting in each seat or as I'm looking at the screen, little box, right? There's all this aliveness. And can we be aware of that while we're speaking and listening as part of being mindful? So being mindful of the body. And of course, he says, ardent, fully aware. And ardent means really heartfelt, passionately giving yourself to you, or dedicating yourself to being here in the present moment. Uses ardent, fully aware, and mindful for all, all the different, right? And then one abides contemplating feelings, as things, feelings as Vedana, or the pleasant, unpleasant, or neutralness of any moment of lived experience. And then one abides contemplating the heart and mind, chitta, the heart mind, uh, in any form, and then one abides contemplating the dharmas, any and all experience, 
whether it's conventional or sublime or or um, yeah conventional sublime or or unworldly in a certain way right one con- one stays mindful of all of this ardent fully aware and mindful having put away business and grief for the world having put away our attachment to getting or letting go but really giving ourselves to being here right now this one simple moment and doing it many times moment by moment by moment my friends teachers once said he said oh yeah practice is is one is being mindful one moment many times awakening is a, a moment of mindfulness over and over and over again but it's never the same moment because it is never the same moment even this moment is brand new and so to really pay attention or be present or stay awake or stay here whatever words work for you right now and so as you heard you right mindfulness about body feelings mind heart dharmas right and then and and that is all sitting in your seat and available to you right now and so the question is how do we get close to it how do we get intimate with what's alive here right now and how do we begin to understand life itself that's sitting here this is from saida utejaniya when he's talking about what it means to bring awareness into all experience to understand which was a, the first of the eightfold path is right understanding he said first we must ask ourselves what is our relationship to reality i love this i love the way he puts it it's a way that i feel very close to that what is our relationship to reality to this moment of reality i'm adding this in he says what is our understanding of life we must look at life as it is and come into intimate contact with it and of course when he says that he's talking about the life that's sitting in your seat right now that's here right now and to relax you don't have to make too much effort it's already here it's already revealing itself to you but staying aware of it staying present with it staying kind to what's here whether you like it or not and see what happens and i've been reading a little bit you know uh many of you may also know this like the year's ending soon everybody got that we're coming close to the end of this year like another one come and gone right they they pop up remember how years used to be a big deal maybe it still is for some of you i don't feel that anymore remember what a big deal 2000 was that was that was like a big deal doesn't seem like such a big deal anymore it's like it's old hat because it's an old year cuz it's gone right but we're having another one i think it's going to be 2021 and the new york times uh, and we've had an interesting year this year right would everybody do you agree with me that it's been an interesting year given it's it's now going to be known as the covid-19 year for all of us and is still the covid-19 year and i'll just throw in a plug for wearing your mask and keeping distance and taking care of yourself 
to not get sick as much as possible that you can do that and to not help anybody else get sick. Um, and so the New York Times has been running, they ran an article or they asked a question of, of their readers, um, to tell us one good thing about this year, one good thing about this year. And so I've been looking at it and here was one of the first ones I read from a woman named Cheryl Lockhart, um, who said, the one good thing that happened this year is that after 47 years of marriage, I learned to appreciate my husband. After, <laughs> Lloyd is clapping, yeah. I know all the, all the male identified people might be clapping who are, who are uh, heterosexual or married. The, the one good thing that happened this year is that after 47 years of marriage, I learned to appreciate my husband. My husband is a quiet man, a reader and a bird watcher who takes pictures of clouds. That's an interesting guy, he takes pictures of clouds. Some might think he's dull because he doesn't talk much. He listens and smiles. I, on the other hand, have been a, have lived a life of overcommitment, book clubs, volunteering, political action, adult classes, social clubs, and rescuing animals. My frenetic life ended in March when I became shut in with my husband. Not dull, but interesting. Not rushed, but calm. I've learned to look closely at a brilliant vermilion flycatcher. We've marveled at the night sky and, re and named the butterflies on our milkweed. We share books, bake bread, and walk our dogs. The clubs, concerts, and crowds have disappeared, and I have found serenity and companionship with my loving husband, the perfect man I married long ago when I was too busy to notice, right? And it's beautiful what she says, because she wakes up because what she was doing was taken away from her. All her activity, all her busyness was taken away. And something woke up because she was present and aware and awake with her husband and she saw her ordinary husband was extraordinary. She saw the magic or the goodness of him right there. Somebody else wrote in, I don't, I don't have it written down, but they said, the one good thing I, that happened was I learned what I didn't need to have. I became aware of what I didn't need to have. And all of us have learned how simple life can be because we lost, everybody here lost things, lost a lot. Our jobs or our friends or our, our work or our, our interaction, right? Even just hanging out, just the usual kind of social medium that we live in went away. And, uh, and is still not really here back. Um, and, and yet we see that we're still okay, even though it's difficult at times, even though it's painful or heartbreaking for those of us who've lost people who've died to COVID-19 or died just because they were old or something else happened 
right? Because life happens, death also happens, and that's part of the deal. But it is something to see both the ordinariness of life like she did and the extraordinariness like this woman, Cheryl Lockhart, with her husband. There's a writer, Ross Lockridge, who wrote a book called Rain Tree County. And he said, the world is still full of divinity and strangeness. It's still full of divinity and strangeness. The scientist stops where all people do at the doors of birth and death. The scientist knows no more than you and I why a seed remembers the oak of 20 million years ago, why dust acquires the form of a woman, why we behold the earth in space and time. One hasn't yet solved the the secret of a single name upon the earth. We may pluck the nymph from the river, but we won't pluck the river from ourselves. This coiled divinity is still all murmurous and strange. There are sacred places everywhere. And again, I have the really total privilege and good fortune of living next to Golden Gate Park. So I'm in the park all the time, which keeps me very sane because it wakes me up just to get out of my room and my house and my head. And I get into the park and it's nature is just doing its thing. And it's not broadcasting it and it's not proclaiming it or it's not denying it, it's just being itself. And it reminds us, reminds me just to be. But also there's a very beautiful tree. It's up by the lodge in the front of the park, front meaning on the eastern edge of the park, the big lodge is a beautiful tree that turns kind of, I don't even know what it is, but it's big and it turns from green and brown. It turns green and brown at this time of year. I just, actually, if I have my phone, maybe I can show you. I tried to take a picture of it today. Really, this wasn't planned for the talk, but let's see if I can show it to you. Oh yeah, here it is. Let's see, here. Can you see this at all? Can you see the color? It's like green and, and, uh, and red and almost with some yellow and it's just beautiful tree. Here you can see it's right next to the street. And uh, yeah, and it's just majestic and divine, right? It just does itself. And it's not telling us to look, but believe me, when I get near it, I look. Very beautiful. And so, so, it's known in so many ways about the ordinary and extraordinary being one thing. They're not two things. The ordinary is right here and the extraordinary is right here. In Serbia, they have a saying, they say, be humble because you are made of earth and mud. Be humble because you are made of earth and mud. Be noble because you are made of stars. Right? So you hear both the ordinary and the extraordinary right in that. 
And so mindfulness begins to reveal this. Um, the venerable uh, Nana Panika said, he said, the mindful mode of processing that when both attention and meta-awareness, meta not like uh, loving kindness, meta meaning big awareness, uh, M-E-T-A, um, when both attention and meta-awareness work together in this way, mindfulness achieves its purpose. Bhikkhu Bodhi calls the conjoining of attention and awareness integrated wise attention. The subjective experience of this refinement of the basic capacities of consciousness is presence. And it's what, it's what mindfulness brings. When we get here, when we're aware of what's here, and we start to relax and be aware of not just what's here, but what's aware of what's here, there's a kind of presence in the knowing that reveals itself or displays itself majestically like the tree does. And it's not us doing the presence, it's presence as a state of being. Utejaniya says it this way, he says, don't stay with the object or, or with the experience only, but go to the mind heart that is aware of the object and the experience. If we stay with this awareness and continue to recognize its presence, it will grow stronger. And so this presence of being what's being pointed at here. This is what, what another one of my teachers, Hamid Ali says, he says, presence gives a sense of immediacy, of fullness, of here-ness in the experience. It gives a sense of immediacy and directness that suffuses the experience, fills it, pervades it, and fills it so that our awareness, our consciousness is not only observing from a removed place, but is also knowing from in this experience itself, is knowing from within it, Hamid says. And this kind of presence is what we all seek. And it's called freedom at times. It has a flavor of love at times. It has a flavor of goodness at times. It has a flavor of, of, of uh, kindness at times, of compassion. It has a flavor of clarity at times. It has a flavor of, of a Vajra kind of strength at times. But it's a presence where our being comes alive and we know what's referred to as our Buddha nature, which is right here, which is available to us, but we can't make it happen. We can give ourselves to the practice and then the practice starts to do us, starts to reveal the truth, starts to reveal reality. Thich Nhat Hanh said, the most precious gift that we can offer others is our presence. When mindfulness embraces those we love, they will bloom like flowers. So it's our presence that has an impact on one another. And there, I have a few different quotes about this. Oh, let's go. Thomas Merton, Christian. I forget what Thomas Merton is. He's a Christian mystic, but I forget what order he is. Um, and he said he was in Louisville at the corner of 4th and Walnut 
in the center of the shopping district. And then he was suddenly overwhelmed with the realization that I loved all these people who were walking around in the shopping distance. I loved all these people and that they were mine and I theirs, that we could not be alien from one another, even though we were total strangers. And again, this is one of the experiences that can come as our presence starts to manifest and relax and open and see what's actually here, not just the ordinary, but the extraordinary, right? He says it was like waking from a dream of separateness, of spurious self-isolation in a special world. This sense of liberation from an illusory difference was such a relief and such a joy to me that I almost laughed out loud, right? I mean, that, and that's how awakening happens sometimes. It just, it just does itself and we're right there and we know it. And we like can't even believe it. It's not even believe it. It's just like, it's just wild in my language and good and beautiful. He said, I, yeah, it, this liberation from an illusory difference was such a relief and joy to me that I almost laughed out loud. I have the immense joy of being human, a member of the human race in which God himself become incarnate, as if the sorrows and stupidities of the human condition could overwhelm me. Now I realize what we all are. And if only everyone could realize this, then it was as if, then it was as if I could, I suddenly saw the secret beauty of their hearts, the depth of their hearts where neither sin nor desire nor self-knowledge can reach, the core of their reality, the person that each one is in God's eyes. If only they could all see themselves as they really are. And really we would say it as if only we could all see ourselves as we really are. If only we could see each other the way that way all the time, there would be no more war, hatred, cruelty, no more greed, says Thomas Merton. as a little Christmas holiday gift to us, bringing in the Christian tradition and the, and the majesty that can be discovered through being present and waking up whatever tradition you might be part of whether it's Christian or Jewish or Muslim or, or Hindi or whatever it might be. This is also someone talking about being present. This is Mary Oliver, who many of you know, great American poet who we often use her, her poetry. And she was talking about her um, her own experience. She said, it has frequently been remarked about my own writings that I emphasize the notion of attention. This began simple enough to see that the way the flicker flies is greatly different from the way the swallow plays in the golden air of summer that to see the way the flicker flies is greatly different from the way the swallow plays in the golden air of summer. 
It was my pleasure to notice such things. And it was a good first step. But later, now she's talking about her wife and what happened in relationship of actually being around the person who's also mindful, aware, attentive of, to what's happening. <clears throat> but later watching him when she was taking photographs and, and uh, watching her in the dark room and no less watching the intensity and openness with which she dealt with friends and strangers too taught me what real attention is about. And she's describing what happens when we're around somebody who actually gives themselves to the moment and to the person and to the relationship and to just what's actually here and not lost in what's happening yesterday or, or happened yesterday or gonna happen tomorrow or, or worrying about it, but actually being here so that the beingness starts to shine or be revealed. And so she continues, she said, uh, the way she dealt with friends, strangers who taught me what real attention is about, attention without feeling, I began to learn is only report. Um, an openness and empathy was necessary if the attention was to matter. Such openness and empathy M had in abundance and she gave it away freely. I was in my late 20s, early 30s, well filled with a sense of my own thoughts, my own ideas. I was eager to address the world of words, to address the world with words. Then M instilled in me this deeper level of looking and working, looking deeper and working, of seeing through the heavenly visibles to the heavenly invisibles. It's a beautiful combination of ordinary and extraordinary, right? Right. Looking deeply, seeing through the heavenly visibles to the heavenly invisibles. I think of this always when I look at her photographs, the images of vitality, hopefulness, endurance, kindness, vulnerability. We each had our separate natures, yet our ideas, our influences upon each other became a reach, an abiding confluence in presence. Oh, a couple last quotes, Buddhist quotes. One's from Longchenpa, who said, awareness is always refreshing itself. Awareness is always refreshing itself, meaning it's always right here. It's always new. We, we might be caught in our thoughts, ideas, or beliefs, or feelings, or sensations, or smells, or tastes. We may be caught in some, but awareness is always free, actually. Awareness is always refreshing itself, always newly arriving. You can neither obtain this awareness nor lose it. I salute the spontaneously perfect universal creativity. Create the, the spontaneously perfect universal creativity, self-refreshing awareness, universal creativity as the teacher a direct teaching that you do not need to strive for, 
I invoke the turning of the wheel of the natural great perfection of spontaneous presence. Beautiful understanding from Longchampa. And then I'll just end with a quote from the Buddha who said, Bhikkhus, they, oh no, I'm not gonna read that quote. I don't want that quote. Here, I'll end with a quote from, from Ajahn Chah, which was in the send out. Try to be mindful and let things take their natural course. Then your mind heart will become still in any surrounding like a clear forest pool. All kinds of wonderful rare animals will come to drink at the pool and you will see many strange and wonderful things come and go, but you will be still. This is the happiness of a Buddha. So those are a few thoughts tonight about right mindfulness. Of course, you know, I love to hear from you, your thoughts, anything, questions, comments, agreements, disagreements, likes, not likes, please go to the participants button and raise your hand and then I'll call on you. And I love to have people who haven't spoken speak because what happens is some people are very comfortable speaking like this. So they raise their hand first and that's fine. I'll call on them. But they often, they often get their voice in. And there's a lot of voices I don't hear. I'd love to hear new voices. Somebody, I always like to meet people I don't know so well. So please go to the participants button. And if you put anything into the chat, I can't, I don't read the chat while I'm teaching. So if you have a question or comment in the chat you want me to speak to, please raise your hand. Thank you. Okay, Bob, please unmute. Okay. Thank you. Right, I wanna, I'm, I'm gonna take it off of, uh, uh, I'm gonna put it on a speaker view now. Great. Where are you, Bob? Are you on the flower? Yes. That's you. For now, okay. I, I, I had my face on for a while. <laughs> okay, well, I, I'd rather see the flower than your face, Bob. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Eugene. <laughs> yeah, I'd rather see you, to be honest, but you can do whatever you want. Well, I had the flower on because I'm not looking at the screen, and I'm, I, I would like to read a poem if it's okay with you. I don't, I don't know. I have to hear the poem, so you're going to have to read it, and then I'll tell it's, if it was okay or not. It's, my, it's, it's from me. Okay, go ahead, Bob. Find God in simple things. Simple, quiet moments. The turning of a spade in earth. The planting of tomato and ginger. Find God in the sign of branches. In the wind. In birdsong as the sun rises. Most of all, find God deep in your heart as stillness catches you by surprise and life draws from that to the lighting of a smile from your face to all the world turning under your feet.
Okay, uh, that one, I approve. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Bob. Thanks, a, Eugene. That's a good, good summation of a lot of what I said. Yeah. Okay, Lloyd. Now there you are. Now you now you're letting me see you. Yeah, because I don't have to be looking off the screen and. Uh, okay. And looking at my notes where my some of my poems are stored. Got it. Got it. Got it. Yeah. Good. Good. Well, good. Thank you. Okay. Uh, who else? Lloyd Rath. Lloyd Rath. Here I am. Here you are. Eugene, I really uh, thank you very much for this teaching on the Eightfold Path. I, I found it very uh, enlightening and very helpful. And um, specifically, last, two weeks ago, you were talking to a person who is struggling. And one of your suggestions was to try to just break it down, to try to, to, try to do it for a minute. You know, don't try to think about doing it for 30 minutes. Do it for 15 seconds and then maybe next time try to do it for a minute. Anyway, for me, that was that has been um, a very good practice. And um, I've been doing it a lot in the last two weeks. And, um, you know, whether it's meditating or trying to do the dishes or just just being content with whatever I could do. And um, so thank you. Yeah, you're welcome, that's great. It's so simple that it's hard. It's so simple, it's like that's all we're being asked to do is just to be here now, right? I keep saying that lately and I keep thinking of Ramdas, you know, who just nailed it in that book title from, you know, 50 years ago now, whatever, however long ago. But it, and, it, and it's just right, you know, just taking the garbage out. I mean, it's so simple. And we're so addicted in this bigger USA culture to being busy and complexity that we forget to just appreciate this moment. And like Bob was saying, you know, the sound of the bird, right? I mean, that's all there is in the moment. And it's beautiful and it's good. And, and when we're here and when we're fully mindful, that kind of mindful presence awakens us beyond our small sense of self. So, so keep doing it. It's nice when I can grab it, when I can grab it for however long I can grab it. Yeah. So, you know, one moment at a time. That's yeah. it. You can't grab it for any longer than one moment. <laughs> right? That's, that's the deal. <laughs> you need to mute though, Bob. Thank you. Oh, sorry. Okay. Okay, Lloyd. Thanks, Eugene. You're, you're welcome. Anybody else? We have no hands up. Dorothy, Don, Eileen. I'm just reading off names. Kevin G raised his hand now. I was just reading off names to try to get people to, to raise their hands. But go ahead, Kevin. You're good. Yeah, I am. Thank you. Nice to be here. I've missed it. A um, couple things that I'm just going to share about. One is thanking you 
to teach me to do one thing at a time. Mm-hmm. You know, I've heard that from you. And so prior to signing on, I was having dinner and there's a couple of things I could have read. Mm-hmm. And I thought about reading them while I ate them. And I said, no, just pay attention to your meal. Mm-hmm. And I gardened today for a little while. It was really nice. Tying tied into the poem. And, you know, I did have my earbuds until uh, I broke them <laughs> when someone called, but that was okay. Mm-hmm. But, you know, um, stuff like that centers me when you talked about the park, you know, being out there. Yeah. And I was mindful because I don't have uh, what they, I have cords connected to mine. Uh-huh. And I don't have, so, and every time I garden, I get caught in a rose bush or something. Uh-huh. So I've learned to be mindful, to be very careful when I garden about those. Right. And I pay attention. And so over the times I've learned or experienced just to be as I think I'm hearing in the present moment. Uh-huh. But right. it takes work. It takes work for me. But it's a practice because we're not well trained in just being right here. We're trained in doing 20 things at once. Yes. And, and, you know, and the, the, the good, thing you, go ahead, I'm sorry. It's good to know how to do that when you need to multitask, but most of the time it's not so good. Right. We're multitasking and it's not helpful. So one of the things that you talked about that I wasn't shocked, but came off gracefully when I've entered the Unitarian Church is about death, that we're all going to die. But more specifically, that you said, and I don't forget this, is that we're human doings, not human beings. So that's a good one for me. If I constantly remind myself to be a human being instead of a human doing, then I'm practicing mindfulness. Yeah, great. Great, because that beingness is here no matter what, no matter how many times we forget or don't look or don't remember. It's really, if I'm using Buddhist language, one of the ways sati is translated is to remember, right? And sati is translated as mindfulness or awareness, but it's, and it's also translated as remember and I think of remember as like when you lose uh, something, you lose a, a, an arm and you put it back on, you get remembered, right? You become whole again. That's what I'm pointing at. And that's what we're all seeking is our wholeness or the fullness or the completeness of who and what we are. Yeah, great. So thank you. Thank you. Okay. Benjamin iPad. Hi. 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 Um, I was just wondering if you could uh, reread the last, uh, the second to the last uh, quote that you read uh, before the one about uh, from Ajahn Chah. Before Ajahn Chah or Ajahn Chah? Uh, no, before. The second to the last one that you read. Uh, I think from Long Champa. Uh, I can't remember, but awareness is always refreshing itself. Yeah, yeah, that one. Yeah, awareness is always refreshing itself, always newly arriving. You can neither obtain this awareness nor lose it. So that's such a beautiful line. I salute the spontaneously perfect 
universal creativity, self-refreshing awareness, self-refreshing awareness. Universal creativity as the teacher, a direct teaching that you do not need to strive for. I invoke the turning of the wheel of the natural great perfection of spontaneous presence. Yeah, I, I thank you. I, something uh, about that um, is sort of comforting in a way, mm -hmm. or I don't know if that's really the right way for me to describe uh, how I feel about it, but uh, I would say that um, also, like sometimes it's very difficult for me to be present with anything that's like right here, right now. Mm -hmm. And um, I feel like just some, this sort of sense of like, like pain almost sort of like a sense of anguish yeah. that I don't know what it is about. And I just, I want to like, just retreat into my thoughts or mm -hmm. something else. So it's good to see that. It's good to see the reaction to what, what, to what happens for you. And because I would encourage you to be with the anguish itself, not have to figure it out. Or be with the not knowing itself. Or not even or being not even knowing how to be in the with what's here. Be with the not knowing how to be with what's here. You can all that's why the awareness is so big, because it there's no stop. You're you're already aware of it. You want to be aware of what you're aware of. So it's just kind of breaking it down into like a, a more smaller piece kind of. It's that, but it's also whatever it is, is uh, then you're aware. It doesn't, it, and on a certain level, it doesn't matter what you're aware of, mm -hmm. right? If even if you could be aware of joy or freedom or happiness or or you can be aware of, you know, oh shit, I'm irritated. But as soon as you start to be aware of it and aware that you're aware of it, something happens. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I can see that. And I can also see um, that sometimes uh, I'll be, I'll, I'll have a moment where I really feel like I am present. Uh -huh. But then that moment kind of passes. Right. And I try to get back to it in sort of this mechanical kind of way where it's like, it's not really getting better. You can't like, yeah. yeah, you can't do that, but you can be aware of whatever feeling is there because what that moment has passed. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, that quote that you read sort of gave me another uh, um, a, a, a perspective to think about as far as when that happens for me. Okay, great. What I would encourage you to do is um, look up the quote from Long Chumpa, right? And okay. read it every morning and then don't think about it. But just put it in your consciousness every day for a month and see what happens. Okay. Right, L-O-N-G-C-H-E-N-P-A, Longchampa, who's, uh, I was at his cave in Bhutan a few years ago, which I didn't even know about him then, and it was like, he was pretty cool. 
<laughs> in my opinion. <laughs> yeah. Great, thank you. Yeah, thank you. Okay, are we gonna get any more hands raised? Any women wanna raise your hand? Or any people who aren't identified as men or women wanna raise your hand? I don't care about the identity, but I like to keep, keep it open yeah. to everybody. I would go. This okay. is Dorothy. Who, who are you? Dorothy. Hi, Dorothy, because I'm not seeing. Oh, there you are. I see. I didn't get a hand raised, but okay, that's oh, fine. Put a hand raise in the, in the participants is what yeah, you're looking yeah, at. Yeah, oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Hi, Dorothy. Hi. I love the word so much. I have an illness and I'm really sick a lot of the time. And I go into a really deep, um, exhausted place. I call it like triple dose NyQuil where I'm just like, I'm so out of it and I hardly have enough energy to breathe. It's just hard to, and it's as if all of these tools aren't available to me. There's things I know out there, mm -hmm. but I can't even get to the part of the brain that has attention, that has focus. Right. Um, I live in a tiny, yeah. So I'm just buried down in kind of the animal level of the brain or something like that. And it's, um, it's hard for me to find a way through this. Right. So, so it's very, I appreciate you speaking about it because you're talking about a level of dukkha that is very difficult. And yet you're aware of it and you're here. And so your good heartedness is right here. It's already here, at least in my view, right? And, and your sadness is here and part of it, and that's okay. And so I just wanna encourage you to keep doing whatever you can do in a very, very, very kind way that you're not trying to get somewhere except to be kind and present with the difficulty that you're dealing with. Does that make sense? It does. There's tears in my eyes as you say that. Yeah, no, and the tears are important. I seek answers so hard. I want to get to someplace else, you know? Right. I want to get out of this hole I've been in for a long time. Yeah. Well, the hole is not permanent, that I can assure you. It's not, and we don't know where it's going to take you. And because we all have our holes, and I've had my holes for sure. And, and, you know, sometimes that's just the place to learn how to be kind to ourselves because everybody here has gonna have holes and difficulties and uh, dukkha, right? And so, yeah, and so the kindness, even you, I so appreciate you just coming on board and saying, talking about it. Cause even that, then the power of Sangha is also here, meaning the care that's here, that's collective. Whether anybody says anything to you directly, but I know that it's here from everybody. I'm hitting the anniversary of 25 years that I've been in the in this spot. And it's, uh, there's a special grief. There's kind of a time just 
Yeah. Yeah. No, and so you want to allow the grief, and yet there's something here which is you, which is not bound even to the grief, right? Because the awareness is not bound to anything. Even, even when your mind doesn't work, and believe me, I had a, a long period where my mind did not work, and yet awareness was still here. And it doesn't mean I knew what to do with it or how to be in it, but it was still, something was here bigger than me. And then being as kind to yourself, both in terms of your mind and heart, and also in terms of your body. So breathing very gently, even now, don't stop breathing, don't hold your breath is the only thing I would suggest. Thank you. Okay, you yeah. said my name, so I thought I would speak up and just say hello. Good. Thank you. Glad you did. Thank you. Who else? You want to raise your hand, you go to the participants button and push it, and there should be a place to raise your hand. Karen, how about you? I know I shouldn't do this. It's not the right thing. I'm not supposed to. Call. I'll do it. Oh, great. Thank you. <laughs> Good. Hi, Karen. Dorothy, thank you for sharing. That was wonderful. Um, I, um, as far as awareness goes, I've been trying to tap into like my bodily sensations mm -hmm. and I just feel like I'm constantly hitting a roadblock there like I just can't feel anything okay. <laughs> is so that normal wait wait slow down here so right okay now, I'm gonna make one instruction right now don't don't feel your body right now don't feel it Okay, I get that that's kind of impossible. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it's so simple that we think we can't do it. And yet, if I tell you not to do it, of course, it's the elephant in the room. Yeah. Yeah. And so, wow. Yeah. <laughs> and so, that's all you have to be aware of to start being aware of your body. It's often doing less that's what's needed, not more. Yeah, that just uh, immediately, one second, changed everything. I, 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 will, I, I will keep playing with that yeah. and keep, keep coming back to that. And Yeah, play with it. Play with a good word. Yeah, yeah thank you. You're, you're welcome. Okay, thank you for speaking up. Yeah.
And I'm not going to stop for a second because you look like you're having also feelings. Yeah, I am. Okay, so let's just acknowledge them because feelings are good. They're meaning they're an important part of us as human, even sad feelings, right? I mean, Dorothy's feeling grief for 25 years of, of physical difficulty. One grieves, and that's normal. It's not a bad thing, right? Sadness is not a bad thing. We don't want to be bound to it, but we want to be aware of it when it's here so it can come and it can go, right? So we don't hold on to it. I uh, tell you my own personal feeling difficulty uh, that happened yesterday is anger. I got really angry about something, really, really angry about my wife's dog and uh, who tried to bite me and I didn't like it. I was like, I'm tired of this shit. You get out of, you know, I'm like, I'm like, I wanted to smack the dog. And, and, uh, and it's very hard for my wife who loves her dog. Right, and, and he's a great dog, but he's a jerk sometimes. And I got angry at him. And it was really hard for me because I was so angry. And I don't like being that angry because there's so much energy. And it took me quite a while to just feel the energy of the anger and not the content and the blaming and yelling about the dog and how the dog was trained and blah, 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 all the crap but actually just to feel the anger, which was like fire. And totally, of course, and once I started to feel the anger and I even needed some help, I finally called somebody and just did a little inquiry with them about what was happening for me about the anger. And then it started to, and then I could just be angry without being identified with the anger. And that was very free. Okay, so I'm just throwing that in the mix of the kind of shit that happens if we're human and we are. Yeah, it's really helpful to remember not to identify with it too, because yeah, it can be very overwhelming and you get sucked into it. But yeah. it's interesting you 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 talked about that story about anger because I think. Um, part of my emotion was I was really getting angry with myself for not being able to feel my body. <laughs> That's called superego or self-judgment. And that is not helpful. Yeah. And also not true, which now right. you, know you can feel your body. But even when you don't know, that kind of attitude is not helpful for freedom. Self-judgment, not it's the one not helpful thing. And I'll, I'm really very strong about people not believing their self-judgment. But if you do it, then see it, see that it's there, right? Like not, don't get mad at yourself for being self-judgment. <laughs> it's like this definitely. Right. Uh, no, no, it, it will use anything to, to <laughs> It will, oh yeah, look at you, you're self-judgmental, you can't be spiritual, <laughs> right? And that's when you need to say, fuck you, <laughs> to the, to the superego, to the judging mind, because it's usurping your aggressive energy and using it against you. And that's not okay. Okay, yeah, good. 
Yeah. Thank you. Glad we got that in the room tonight. Okay. Thank you. Okay. Anybody else? Last chance. Dan Plotsky, Ellen Greenblatt, Gary McClay, can we read your name? Uh, McLaughlin, or Karen, the other Karen, or Lily. Anybody else want to speak up? God, I should look at the chat. There's like 10 things in the chat. I haven't looked at any of them yet. Okay, yeah, thank you. I appreciate it. I don't need to judge myself for not looking at the chat. There's Allison. Hi, Allison. Go ahead. Hi there. It was such a beautiful talk. Um, I just wanted to offer up the little dot that was in my frame. Now it's, I don't know, it's, it, it's just the moon is behind me. So I'm outside and able to. Wait, we can't see you, Allison. You can't anymore. I'm trying to figure out where this, there, see the dot? That's as much light as I can get. That's the moon. Yeah, beautiful. So I just wanted you to have the moon in the frame shining down. And then you spoke about the stars and the presence and it was all very vibrational and beautiful. And I'm here in the frame. There's my finger. Got it. Yeah. I'm happy to see your finger. <laughs> Thank you. I, um, the other gentleman read his poem and I wanted to sing a lullaby that had come to me. Okay, go ahead. Thank you for the blessings that are many. Many are the blessings that are mine. Some things are hard to learn. Some are fun. I like the fun ones, but the hard ones can be helpful down the line. In time. In time. Beautiful. Thank you, Allison. Thank you for this Sangha and this community and this wisdom. I'm yeah. grateful. Thank you. I think that's a good place to end with a little lullaby. So let's just take a moment to end with a sharing of merit, offering our uh, good wishes, appreciating our good fortune, sending it out in every direction. May it touch beings in this realm and every realm. May all beings be happy and peaceful. May all beings be free from suffering. May all beings enjoy the holidays in whatever way they can. And may we all wake up. May we wake up together. May all beings be free. Okay, everybody, good to be with you. I think I'm with you again next week for the last, last of the year. Uh, I'll see you next Sunday. Please take good care. And reminder, if you want to make a donation, you can uh, send some money to uh, SFI uh, at our website. Uh, it might be in the chat box, often is. Uh, thank you for your generosity. Okay, be well, everybody.
Thank you, Eugene. Thank you, Eugene. All welcome. Thank, Thank you. you, everyone. Thank, Thank you. you. Good night, Sangha. Thank so. you. Thank you, Eugene. Thank you, everyone. Thank you, Eugene. Thank you, everybody. Take care. Stay safe. Stay Buenas noches. Buenas noches. Buenas noches. Thank Pollo. you, everyone. Kevin. Pollo, pollo. <laughs> Somebody, some people put in that... Um, Thomas Merton was a Trappist monk. That's great to know. Oh, in France, they call Ceterians. Ceterians? Ceterians? Trappists? Yeah, a lot of Trappists. Mm. Great. Then put a big poem in there. Mm. I thought about reading that in this talk, but I've read it so many times. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.